On your journey through life, you are the hero. There are times, however, when it is beneficial to have an advisor to guide you along your path. Welcome to the Smart Money Simplified Podcast with Brent Mikosh, Certified Financial Planner, Certified Investment Management Analyst, and Co-Founder of MP Advisors, LLC. In this podcast, Brent discusses some of the most important and interesting topics of the day as they relate to finance, the economy, and beyond. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Smart Money Simplified, with your host, Brent Mikosh. Brent, we we were going to have a guest on this podcast, but difficulties in Baghdad seem to have uh, yeah. kept that guest from happening. So yes, I'm actually really excited about this. It, it's a few, it's soon to be announced guest, but we had a guest uh, who is actually on the ground in Baghdad, Iraq, and I'm, I'm, I was very looking forward to what this discussion, which hopefully we'll still have in the future. But you know, Bill and I were sitting here talking offline. And which we normally do that. We normally talk offline for a while before we do these shows. And then we do for a while afterwards and just talking about things that are happening in the world and in the economy and everything else. And, and uh, Bill and I said to each other, you know, why don't we just record one of these and, and you know, share with you some of the things that we talk about when it's just when it's just Bill and I on the microphone together. Yeah. <laughs> well, 2023 has been one of those years, Brent, as you as you know, probably better than me, actually. Yeah. It's it's been it has been in in many ways it's been pretty good, particularly in the last you know at least for the financial markets whether it's fixed income whether it's equities, particularly in the last six weeks we've seen just a real sea change in both of those markets. But it's been a really strange year. But so far we're coming into now as we're recording this on December December eleventh, so we're almost done the year, but not quite. But overall, pretty good year. A lot better than 2022. A lot of yeah, things. But it, that- but it wasn't for a long time. So let's talk about that for a second. Because, yeah. you know, traditionally the argument is, hey, if you've got a mix of bonds and stocks, you can have a balanced portfolio, kind of protect yourself or hedge right. yourself against wild fluctuations in the market. And that has not been the case this year. This year has been a really tough market to navigate until, as you point out, last month or so. Yep. when things have really started to turn around. So what was going on? Well, you know, we're coming off a year in 2022 that was historic in a, in a lot of ways. And to me, the biggest story of that year was not so much the S&P was down about 20% in 2022. And that's pretty typical. I mean, most investors, they're used to volatility in the stock market. I tell clients that, you know, Two out of every eight years, you're just going to not really like some of the performance that you're getting in equities. It's going to be funky, yeah. It's going to be funky. And you're you're used to that. But what made 2022 totally unique for anyone alive is you had double-digit losses in the fixed income market. You know, And one of the measures that we look at Think of the Dow Jones or think of the S&P 500 in terms of a broad measure of a lot of different a lot of different securities. But in the bond world, the big ones, the Barclays Aggregate Bond Index. Mm-hmm. And that was off about 13, 14 percent in 2022. And even in years in the 1970s, we had rampant inflation and you had a lot of uh, you know, problems very similar to what we ex- are experiencing still now. You had maybe single digit losses, losses in the bond market. You never saw double digit losses in your right. fixed income. So it was it was. You got to go back 200 years, quite frankly, to the early days of the Republic for U.S. Treasury bonds at the 10-year level to be down in double digits. It just doesn't happen. And it happened in 2022. And it happened in a year where your equities are also down in double digits. So it was the worst year pretty much ever for what you discussed as a balanced portfolio, your average 60-40 portfolio, 60% equities, 40% yeah. fixed income. And coming into this year, you know, th- that's everyone was expecting a recession. I can't tell you how much 
doom and gloom stuff was on YouTube by a lot of the financial, you know, entertainment guys. And I, and I, I read, I read them and I look at a lot of them, both the pro, the pros and the cons people that are optimistic people that are very pessimistic. Cause I just want to hear, I want to see what my clients are hearing first of all, but I did come in and I got to be honest with you. I was not necessarily feeling great coming into January either. You know, a lot of red flags out there, a lot of things that, that uh, are concerning from an economic standpoint, from a geopolitical standpoint, from a political standpoint. But what kind of kept me, optimistic coming into january was if 2023 we don't know yet we're not through it but if we were going to get a crash or a massive dislocation specifically in equity prices it would have been the best forecast crash in history because you had so many people out there saying you know is going to go down to 2500 you know here we are sitting about 4500 it's going to all these terrible things are going to happen and and it just didn't, you know, you had, you had a massive bank failure in the front end of the year, which, which ironically enough did not at this point, anyway, didn't spill over into the rest of the market. Equities rallied off that because you had a big injection of cash in the federal reserve once that happened. So it's, you know, the world never ends up quite like you think And 2023 was one of those years. It was interesting to say the least. And, and until really in the last six weeks or so, it was, it was still, it was still a little bit dicey. You had, you had losses in bond portfolios. Yeah. You had a handful of stocks that were driving the S and P five hundred, but it's been pretty broad basis rally we've had in the last in the last month and a half or so. Well, well it, I mean, I, you know, is it the argument that the Fed was raising rates that just caused that caused the? Um, I mean, the bond market was a mess. Yeah, and, I mean, mess. and it, does it just come down to the fact that the Fed had had, had embarked and, and remained committed to? Until very recently, raising interest rates is that? I mean, is it that simple, or is there something more complex at work here? I think I think it it, it kind of is, and it's a big thing. And you know, the, the the old adage "Don't fight the Fed" is is definitely a real thing. But you know, the Fed raised a ton this year, and you're looking at a case where equities are pretty much up. But you know, I think that I'm I'm one of the few guys, at least on the on the financial side, that actually thinks what the Federal Reserve was doing was necessary and needed. Mm-hmm. And we had some pain while they were doing it. But it had to happen, you know, because you can't you can't keep interest rates at zero forever because right. it, it it distorts the economy too much. If there's no hurdle rate for for return on your money, then 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 really unprofitable projects get funded because you know your, your hurdle rate is so low, mm-hmm. and you just can't give away money. You know that's that's why you had nine percent inflation in June of 2022, which was the official number. I think the real number was probably a lot higher than that, and you had to do something to, to sort of to to pull the to pull the froth out of it. But you still look, you know, we're sitting here at five and a quarter ish on the short term rate. That's still historically pretty low. You know, I mean, when yeah, I got it it's it's not high. I mean, my first more my first mortgage back in the in the mid nineteen nineties when I was living in New York, I was paying eight and seven eighths, yeah. I think is what I was paying. That's about um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, the average you know, ten year treasuries right now is trading at about four and a quarter percent. Average is really like five and a half or six. Mm-hmm. You know, so so rates are still historically low. And if the Fed's going to pause here or not, it looks like they are going to pause here. At least the markets are responding like they are. I think they're doing the work that had to be done. And I think so far, I think they've managed it pretty well. And you're seeing their balance sheet roll off too. You know, the amount of money that that the Federal Reserve, when the, when the Fed buys an asset, they cre- they do it with money that never existed. Right. And so you look at their balance sheet went from a trillion or so, you know, before the financial crisis up to about $8 trillion by the time we got done with all the COVID stimulus. And and that's that's money that never existed. So of course you're going to get some inflation. And now you see the Fed balance sheets actually rolling off. They're letting they're letting bonds mature, and that and that money essentially gets pulled out of the system. And and I think it's I think it's necessary what they're doing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, now, the issue is they're fighting against the federal government that can't stop spending money. And so for me, the big story of 2024, and we can we can we can talk about that, too, is a lot more in 2023 we can discuss. But the big story in 2024 is going to be that you got, you know, the U.S. federal government has about six, seven trillion dollars of debt. They got to refinance. They're running deficits of a trillion and a half, two trillion dollars. So, you know, there could be eight to ten trillion dollars of treasury debt that has to be refinanced. And the question is, who buys it? And some of the recent treasury auctions haven't been fantastic. They haven't, you know, I've seen some headlines. Oh, the treasury auctions failed. They didn't fail. You just didn't have, you didn't have as much coverage as you normally get. You still had two plus times coverage on, on people that want to buy the stuff, yeah. but it's, it's, it's coming down a little bit and you've got uh, the foreigners are not showing up with the appetite that they once had to buy our debt. And if the foreigners don't, don't buy it. And if we don't have Americans buying it, well, then the Fed's got to buy it. And that by very definition is inflationary because now again, they're doing it with money that's brand new that's never been created. So that, that to me, I think is going to be a big story. 2024 is how well that process gets managed. Yeah. You know, my, my reaction to that is, is twofold. One is, yeah, I agree with you in terms of the Fed doing probably what needed to be done. And you're right in terms of the perspective, because these rates are high by recent memory, but yeah. in terms of overall, they're not. They're not. <laughs> they, they are really not that high at all, uh, historically speaking. And so it's a good thing to remember as we move into 2024. And there is a fight right now. And and, and I, I'm just curious. I'd love to get your take on this. There is a fight within the government, within the House, uh, between Republicans about what to do about this. Are you optimistic that we can arrive at, at, at some kind of solution in terms of government spending. I, I don't. I personally don't think we're ever going to be able to cut spending, and I would love to be able to say that we were going to cut spending. I, I don't know because I think that the issue that you have at the federal level is twofold. Is first, they are extremely insulated. You know, where they don't <laughs> necessarily, <laughs> yeah, so, so they're not, they don't feel the impact of the decisions that they're making. And and so one of the things that I, that I even have to keep in mind in terms of my business, because the clients that we work with, generally speaking, not generally, in every case, have done pretty well in life. Right. And so my view of the world in terms of what's really happening on the ground can be distorted by the fact that all my clients are doing pretty well, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're doing okay. And I think in Washington, they have it's a bigger problem because there is so much wealth and so much money that's being sucked like into that vortex, so much power, so much influence. It's all there. And they are not right now. They're, they're insulated. You know, they're insulated by, by what's happening in, mm-hmm. in the middle of the country. They're insulated what's happening in, in rough parts of, of, of our cities. They're insulated by what's happening on the border. They, they don't see any of it and they, and they're, they're not exposed to it. So it's like, uh, you know, for, Maybe maybe an apt example for anybody that's seen the Hunger Games series. You know, Capital City is very different than what's happening in the outer <laughs> districts. You know, and it's like that's that's where reality is basically uh, is mirroring fiction or vice versa. And I think yeah. there's a lot of that. So are are they going to are they going to do things? Because every time they vote, you know, I always say this with, with people as well, and, and which is which is why I tend to have a very libertarian streak in me, is because you know when the first directive of any institution or organization is to protect itself and then expand itself it's just naturally that's what nature does you want you want to protect yourself and grow and and what makes governments very different and i look at it from a from a charitable standpoint for example if someone falls upon hard times i believe that there should be safety nets and things in place to help them 
traditionally that has been hopefully they've got people in their family that are willing to do it if they don't have family that can that can help them out and, and maybe write that ship then maybe they're part of a faith institution a mosque or a church or a synagogue or whatever they can they can get behind that person and mm-hmm. help lift them up if they don't have that then in many cases there's other organizations within their communities the community itself has a vested interest in kind of getting that person whole again but in all three of those instances, whether it's family, whether it's a faith community, whether it's the local the local communities overall, you know, the they don't have unlimited resources and they have a vested interest in fixing that person or trying to or trying to solve that problem. You enter a bureaucracy, the first directive of any bureaucracy is to protect and expand the bureaucracy. And so there's not the incentive structure in place to get that person right again. The incentive structure is actually keep that person dependent, keep that person needing the bureaucracy because we got to spend this money every year. You know, we don't want our we don't want our budget cut next year. Right. And 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 so there's no and because there's no natural competition, you know, there's 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 no competing organizations that can that can do it better or or, or you know, the incentive incentive structure in government's completely skew from what it is in the rest of the world. And 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 so that's why I think it's gonna be a lot harder for them to to go and and vote to essentially diminish their power. You know, no agency head wants to diminish their power. No, none of these groups that are being funded with however much money they're being funded want to take less money next year. You know, the all the incentive structure is towards is towards growing and expanding, growing, expanding, growing, expanding. And there's no natural predator. You know what I mean? There's, there's, there's yeah, nothing. No. You know, if 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 you know, even even on a massive corporate level, you know, Apple gets uh, starts making bad products, or and then you switch over to there's a million other people that you can go to and to, to buy a decent computer, or buy another cell phone, even, and that's a quasi monopoly system. You know, really, there's only a few competitors, but it keeps them it keeps them in check, and you just don't have that. You don't have that at the government level. No, you 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 don't you don't, and sadly, you don't really you know have the leadership within government. Either. Yeah. That's a big one because I think, and this is again, this cuts across political lines. Exactly. When you know, I look at the the past, and not even just in the United States, but around the world. I mean, you had you had giants roaming the planet. You know, people that that just had could clearly articulate a vision that that was was optimistic, was unifying, gave people a sense of you know meaning and purpose for 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 what we're all trying to do together. And I don't see anybody uh, in in our politics right now, left or right, that does that effectively. I think there's a few media people that that, that do it maybe a little bit better, but they don't. You know, they don't. I mean, you can't tell me. And again, this cuts across political lines. No, you never listen to President Biden speak, and I don't anyway, and walk away feeling really optimistic about America. I'm hit with a barrage of everything that's wrong with this country. You don't hear a former president Trump speak very rarely and and feel incredibly optimistic about about the future in terms of what's happening it's it's all it's all a focus on the problems on the issues it's not focused on the, the the fundamental values and principles which made this country great it's all about how screwed up this place is well yeah you know it's and, and Brett just to jump in here for a second you know I've worked for plenty of bosses who rightly had the attitude when I would come in to talk to them about an issue or a problem, they they would look at me and they would go, I don't want to hear about the problem. I want to know what your solutions are. Right. So that you become a solution-oriented person. You start thinking, okay, yeah, there are problems here, but there are solutions, which is a fundamentally different way of looking at it than than I than any politician I you know most typically think of. Yeah. I hundred percent agree with you on that. And I think that unfortunately, the the way that our 
our political discourse is being delivered to us. I mean, I, that's one of the reasons I love podcasting. It's a long form conversation and yes. you, you cannot break down big ideas into a 30 second soundbite. And even you look at the recent debates, I mean, they're a joke, you know, they're a complete joke because you have 30 seconds to answer, you know, governor DeSantis or whoever it is. And this is not how the world works. You know, I mean, you've got <laughs> complex issues demand more, more time and discussion. You look at, you know, the Lincoln Douglas debates and when, when, when Lincoln was running for president, we're going now a long time ago. They would sit there and just and and back and forth have a real debate for you know an hour, an hour and a half, two hours. Uh, and I think, I mean, I would like to, I would love to hear every political candidate, including the current president of the United States, including third party guys like RFK that are out there, mm-hmm. sit on whether it's Rogan or whether it's it's somebody with a massive audience, you know, that had that can reach a million because they're reaching way more than network TV is right. by. By eons, by fact, way more exponentially. Yes, yeah, and and see, and like put these people all on. Can they hold a conversation for two and a half hours and answer questions on the fly without notes in front of them that have not been curated by their, you know, by their their internal people? Um, can uh, is there enough brain power and horsepower happening upstairs where they can do these things? And you know, I was I was fortunate enough when I was back in New York. You know, when I was a member of the New York Stock Exchange, we had a lot, bunch of politicians always come down there, and yet celebrities came down there. It was kind of cool and kind of fun. And I met a number of these politicians, and we're talking people that were relevant, you know, in the mid two thousands, back when I was doing that. Right. It was staggering, honestly. I'll just say it: how stupid a lot of them were. You know, I was able. We had we had a thing. Um, we had a thing in New York for members called the Luncheon Club. It was upstairs at the Stock Exchange, and I had a beer with a, with a few of these guys because they come and they want money. And the membership would meet him and you could share beer with them. And when you could actually, you, it was a one-on-one format where you could ask them questions and they didn't know what the heck they were talking about. I mean, a lot of these people were profoundly dumb and, and that always kind of really struck me because I'm like great on camera, great uh, to throw out the soundbite, very slick. You know, I, could, I, I would buy a used vehicle from many of them, but an ability to really dissect issues. And uh, it, it's just staggering to me. You know, I, I remember, <laughs> we're going a totally different area in this than we were talking we were going to talk about 2023 but i remember when john Kerry ran for president in 2004 uh, i was invited to go to one of his fundraising dinners and and so you had john Kerry, who was exactly what you think he is you had uh, Teresa heinz Kerry, who was a riot by the way there's a picture of me somewhere after several beers with my arm around her uh chatting with her but you know i met this al sharpton's and charlie wrangles around at the time and Jesse Jackson, and they, pretty much if they were a big Democratic person, they were at this right. event. Um, and I was just, you know, it, 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 I walked out of there, and a few people were actually kind of, were, were fairly impressed. I, I got to admit, Al Sharpton was there. Actually, <laughs> I had a great conversation <laughs> with Al Sharpton. Again, but I don't agree with him on a lot of issues, but but the, the rest of them, it was like, my God, man, these are the people that are making decisions for us. But uh, anyway, you know, yeah, no, no, I, I, I got to tell you, man, I would love for there to be a format of meaningful conversation. Yes. You're right. The podcast would probably be the best place for that to happen, yep. because I keep arguing all the time. This country's badly, badly, desperately in need of grown up conversations. Yes. And political campaigns are not grown nope. up conversations. Not at all. No, they're not at all. And uh, to, to your point, a grown-up conversation 
talking about actual reality, you know, like where we are at. And there's so many good things that are happening in this country. There are so many things that, that absolutely need to be changed. I mean, I, I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic about America. I think it was, you know, that, that we that it takes us sometimes it takes us some time occasionally to get to get the ship right. But but when we do, the amount of you know entrepreneurial energy that exists in this country is is astounding, and, and what we can what we can bring in terms of creativity of the world and the, the the natural benefits that we have. You got plenty of water. You got land. You got a workforce. You got you know rule of law. You got you got so many good things happening relative to the rest of the world. I mean, this is this is the place to be in the future. But the people that are pulling massive levers of power, most of them are are in the business of of again you know breaking people down into these atomized little categories that then they can that then they market specifically to that a lot of them are are focused on you know trying to get people to to really focus on what their grievances are because then they can be the person to come in and save the day and and they're not they're not talking about how do we move the ball forward you know for society in general and as a whole well no no because once you get elected your primary goal your primary goal becomes (laughs) getting Mm reelected. You know, I once knew a guy one time who was thinking really seriously about running a, a for an upper level office. And he said, what do you think? And I just laughed. And I said, well, I think you would enjoy the race. And I think you'd have a great time at your party. But when you woke up the next day and you realized, wait a minute, <laughs> I got to start raising money to go do this all over again. I think yeah. you'd be like, what did I just do? Yeah. You yeah, know, I, it is. I, yeah. And, it's you know, it costs a boatload of money. And, and and every you know and, and everybody that's that that's a, that is that are funding these campaigns you know they're, they're doing it for a reason they're doing it because hopefully they're going to get they're going to get whatever they're well, here's is. what we can hope for let's let's hope that somehow maybe this podcast some podcast joe rogan somebody comes yeah. up with the idea of like let's get two politicians in a room and sit them down together and have conversations if it's a beginning of just like the two leading republican candidates or three we yep. could get them in a room, and if we could get we could get Robert Kennedy in, in a room. Yeah. If we could get people in a room to talk to them, because these are actually some very interesting people with some very. I, I, I've listened to podcasts with 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 uh, Robert Kennedy, and yeah. I probably wouldn't vote for him, but the the man thinks about issues. He does, and so it would be yep. it would be interesting to hear some kind of collective conversation about that. It would be it would be. It would be great. And then it would solve the political leadership problem because suddenly we'd be demanding that our leaders know what they're talking about. Right. Very true. I, I agree with you. And I think that, you know, when, when you've heard and, and I don't know whether the invitation's been extended or not for many of these politicians. But, yeah, I've, I've listened to our RFK's doing all the long form discussions like I've, I've listened to probably three or four podcasts he's been on where he's spoken for an hour and a half, two hours or yeah. more. And the guy actually can't. You know, and again, I, do I agree with him on a lot of things? No. Do I agree with him on some things? Yes. But it's it's pretty. It's nice to actually hear what he has to say. It is. And and I don't know if I were anybody in the Republican field right now. I mean, you know, last two debates are going to be on CNN. What two three million people are going to watch it? Maybe. No. No one cares because they're basically clown shows at this point. You yeah. know, again, this is not not geared at any of those candidates. I'm just talking about the process is ridiculous. But if I were any one of those people, I would be banging on whether it's Lex Friedman, whether it's Rogan, whether it's, you know, Tucker. And you don't have to like the who these hosts are, but their their viewership and their listenership is tens Huge. of millions of people. And they ask real questions, you know, and we're talking I, but, about we're talking about podcasts that have 20, 30, 
40 million listeners per edition. Yes. But yeah, no, I I I I I agree. I, yeah, I, I mean, agree. It's true. I mean, the only people who are watching in the in the, the statistics, this is not a knock on anybody, but the statistics show this. The only people watching cable news are generally boomers. You know, that's it. I mean, you you take the you take the boomer demographic away, and you know, whether it's CNN, whether it's Fox, MSNBC, no one's watching. No one else is there. You know, because nope. they're, they're all they're all getting their 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 media from alternative platforms. So if you want to connect with America now, sure, you still got to do the major network stuff because there are there is a viewership there and there's people watching it. But but that's not where you're going to get your message out. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. So that's well, let's, hope, let's, let's have let's have our fingers crossed and hope <laughs> something happens in that regard. I mean, the one thing I, I think that before we get away from 2023 that we have to talk about, and it's yeah. a big mystery component actually is those two little letters that everybody's talking about now a oh yeah yeah absolutely give me your take on this because it's like i'm i'm besieged with ideas on where to invest and what to avoid and how it's the end of civilization and blah 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 you know, I, I think I, I'm very it's an area where I'm very optimistic. You know, you've got you've got uh, I'm actually doing a class right now, a virtual class at Wharton where we're, we're diving into this. And and uh, and I, there's a lot of these different AI programs that, I, that I'm personally fooling around with because I mm-hmm. want to learn how this stuff works. You know, there's the there's the doom and gloom camp that says it's going to get like the nuclear launch codes and kill us all. <laughs> um, and then there's the people that say that you're going to get utopia on Earth because all the problems are going to be solved. Now, I don't believe right. any of those things. I think what it is, I think what AI is going to do is is going to naturally leverage what people can already do well. So it's it's almost in the sense where, you know, that phone that's in your pocket, it, it leverages your ability to access information, reach out and talk to anybody in the world, learn things, do things, that type of thing. And it's a double-edged sword. It also has a massive time waste. You could be watching like cat videos on on YouTube, you know, and not doing anything productive with it. Falling but, down that hole, yeah. Yeah. Is that, but, but I think what it will do, where I think the negative of AI could possibly come in, it's not these existential threats it's twofold. It's one is I think that the ability to deep fake things is going to be so massive that it will it will stre- it, it will have people questioning reality because yes. you could now you could take just on the data that we have that we have produced in this conversation. You could deep fake you and I saying a lot of things that we didn't say. We never, could, ever said that we never, ever said you could take you could have video of, and imagine now, if you, if you and I do, realistically speaking, you know, is it going to is it going to ripple anything? Maybe in our immediate circle it would, but but overall, no. But what if you had the president of the United States come up and say that we're, you know, like whatever it might be, whether it's a controversial topic or something of massive military geopolitical significance, but you didn't say it. But the video, oh my gosh, you did. Here's the video, and 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 what what could immediate reactions to that type of thing be? So I think that number one is a real danger because people are going to not know unless someone's right in front of them what's real and what's not. And you've got it. You, people have. They need to believe in the systems and structures that are around them. They need, like, my first yeah. rule of life actually is accept reality. You know, and that's like, you know, financial problem. It's reality. Way too much. It's reality. You got to accept reality because then you can go and hopefully change it. But what if the what what if the reality you're being presented is completely warped? And that that's I think biggest risk. The second biggest risk is I think that there's a possibility. You know, if you look at how how humanity ends, is it with a bang or a whimper? AI is not going to be, I don't think anyway, it's not going to be the bang. It's not going to be, again, nuclear launch codes and the, the Terminator is trying to destroy us all, cybernets online. It's that you can create these virtual worlds around yourself that almost like the Matrix in a sense, they're going to be so appealing to people 
that their life just gets increasingly wasted in those worlds. And then they're not out getting married and they're not having kids and they're not, they're not. Yeah, be, um, the danger is we become more insular. We become more yeah. protective from one another and less connected with each other. Yep. But, you know, I also, in my mind, Brent, I, I, um, I look at the, I, I look at this and I think, well, wait, you know, the advent of the industrial revolution created a huge, huge unsettling and un- of, of, of civilization. So that I, I wonder if AI isn't in some way analogous to the industrial revolution, only this yeah. is, you know, a different kind of revolution, it, which does have the potential to radically change things as we know it. Yes. And, and I think it will in the sense that, you know, and the, the question in terms of the technology overall versus versus the investing side of it, and I'm just talking about the, the technology overall, but I think that what it will do, and I'll tell you, this is an interesting conversation. I, I think that the people that are in pure knowledge and service businesses, which is a business I am for sure in, better really take heed of what this thing is, because what it, what it will do is the technical work, it will be able to take a lot of that over. And so, and I think about this in my own business, you know, you know, craft portfolios, you want to, you know, review legal documents. If you, if you're an attorney, you want to look, look for, for examples where perhaps you can save some money on taxes. And and right now you've got, you've got people with technical expertise are doing that. That's going to, the technology is going to replace that ability. And so I think that if you're in a service business like that, whether it's legal, finance, whatever, the, the, what can you then bring to the tables, your ability to check it first of all, because the AI makes mistakes. Yeah. But secondly, the ability to connect and communicate with people, you know, so, you've, you, you, so you're using the AI to leverage your, your offering, but, but the one-on-one connection, which is what we have less and less of, I think that's where the value is really going to be. And I think of, you know, I look at my, at my son, my son's eight, almost nine, my daughter's three, but my son specifically, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day and somehow college came into it and, you know, he's nine, 10 years away from that. But I said, you know, I said, I said, right, yeah, of course, we're funding the 529 and we're doing all that stuff and hopefully the, the, the money's going to be there. But 20 years ago, it would have been like, let's get him into a great college. He's going to learn a great skill and go be an attorney or a doctor or something like that. Yeah. And 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 I think for certain you know, medicines, one, where, where you, yeah, you got to go to medical school, you got to be able to take a part of human body and know how it works. But I'm, what I was saying to my friend, I'm like, you know what? I said, I said in my son's case, I was like, maybe the better, and we won't know this until he's 18. I don't know what his aptitude is. You don't go to college. You learn a, you learn carpentry, you learn uh, electrician, you learn something in the energy space, you know how to run a, run a, a well or, you know, whatever it might be. And you, so you're doing things that, that this, this AI, this information, this information machine, which is what AI does, can't do. You're doing things out in the physical world as opposed to numbers and virtual and everything else. And if he has any entrepreneurial bent, by the time he's in his mid twenties, he, he knows his trade. And if he's got an entrepreneurial bent, then maybe he goes out and he hires a few people and then he hires a couple more people and no college education, but real world learning in terms of how to do things in the real world. And by the time he's in thirties, you know, we have clients like this, by the time they're in their thirties, forties, they got, they got, you know, businesses worth millions of dollars that, 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 um, Hey, look, I have a good friend of mine, a good friend of mine who never went to college Yeah, and he owns a company. It's an excavating company. And he has hired a bunch of guys over the years and provided b- basically a living to a yep. bunch of families over the years. And he's worth a considerable amount now because of the work he did. 
And this is a guy who never went to college. No. And, it, you know, it, and it, he it, provides, he, he gives us productive, <laughs> necessary services. Yeah, I mean, my, well, Bill Gates dropped out of college. Michael Dell dropped out of college. I mean, a lot, a lot of people are billionaires. Richard Branson. I mean, come on, right. you know. And and so I think that that and you're talking to a guy here that has has a master's degree. You know, so I, I took it to the to, all the way through. I think the college, the university system as it is structured right now, is one of the biggest scams that we that that are exist in our economy. You know, I think that that and even if you do the math on it, there's a small hand. It's a handful of schools where where your return on that invested capital. If you look at your you look at your education on that, we're getting a positive rate of return. Most of them you're not. And the diabolical thing about about uh, at least to me, the education system is that, you know, you can't discharge student loans in, in a bankruptcy proceeding. You, know, you can walk away from a house. You can walk away from credit card debt. You can walk away from your car. There's, there's a lot of things you can walk away from. And I think the bankruptcy protections that we have in this country are one of the things that have made this economy vibrant and working because you can, if you fail, you can fail spectacularly enough that you'll, that, that you can, you can discharge all the debt and you can try it again. A lot of great, a lot of great business leaders we've had in the past had several bankruptcies, you know, in, in exactly. their history be, before they got it right. But you can't do it with student debt, and so if if you allowed, and that's that's you know, if if I was granted dictatorial powers in the United States, several things I'd do. But one of the things I would do is just simply change the rules where you can dis, just can discharge your student debt in a bankruptcy proceeding. Because guess what would happen? Whoever's underwriting that debt would now have to really think: Is this specific degree? Can you make any money at it? Is taking two hundred thousand dollars worth of student debt worth it for a job where you max might make yourself forty or fifty grand a year? You know, and it would change that math. The other thing, I would get the government out of it completely. Where private lenders have to have to make those loans, and you've got to you've got to make your case, you know, and go through an underwriting process to be able to take on that debt. Like right now, it's like it's it's almost it's default option for Pete's sake. You know, as people are as people are are, are, are you know paying the tuition to just just take on this debt. You know, and it, it's awful. And I, I took on some student debt when I got my master's degree. I was fortunately at the time. The company I was with was uh, Bear, Stearns. Bear Stearns was the the mothership that they kind of ran our partnership, but they paid for half of it. And I paid for half of it. And one of the great things, you know, the day I paid that debt off, I was like, oh, okay, good riddance. You know what I mean? Because it's never going to go away. It will never go away. But I, but that's the thing. I wouldn't forgive the debt, you know, because there's got to be repercussions for the people who've taken it. But I would allow people to go through a bankruptcy proceeding and discharge it. And you know, maybe maybe then they can't buy a house for five or six or seven years or whatever whatever the number is because you've got to get you've got to now prove your credit worthy. Yeah. But these kids coming to school, man, they've been sold a bill. They've been lied to, thinking that they get this piece of paper that now all of a sudden that they're gonna that that that, that first of all they deserve to get a great job because what you know when I was getting my master's degree in finance at NYU, I was also I was doing it at night when I was working. And there was a, a whole a class. I remember this vividly on secondary markets. I was a specialist trader on the floor of New York Stock Exchange. I know how secondary market markets work. What the professor was teaching was completely incorrect in terms of how the market really works. Totally incorrect. And I told him this. I'm like, I'm like, I do this every day. This is not, you know, I, I left there to come here to like take this class. This is completely wrong. And he's like, well, no. And he's made his academic case for why it wasn't. I'm like, you might think so, but this, you're wrong. But you know, I want to get an A on the test. So, <laughs> so I answered, okay. I was like, oh, yeah, it's not right, but here's what the professor wants to hear. But but uh, so in many cases, what they're learning is not is not even correct in the real world. It's not applicable to the real world. And you know, the best the theory is very different than experience. You know, you got to get people out there. That's you know, it, it amazes me. When I graduated with my undergrad degree, you know, I had, I had my piece of paper from University of Colorado, and I remember thinking, like, wow, I've got something of value here. 
And within the first six months of working in New York, I realized, oh my gosh, it's a complete idiot. I, 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 I had nothing valuable to offer to offer this organization aside from a willingness to learn what they want to teach me. Because everything I learned in college was essentially garbage, quite frankly. And so it's, you know, that, that's the biggest scam. Higher education is just the biggest, it's the biggest scam going. The millennials are pissed off about it. They have a right to be pissed off about it because they were lied to, quite frankly. They <laughs> 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 were. They were. We're going to wrap this up, okay? We got to wrap this up because you and I could keep going on for <laughs> a really long time about this. Yeah, somehow we went from <laughs> talking highlights of 2023 to we get into politics and students. Exactly. Set. Politics and everything <laughs> This is what happens. This is what happens when we're off camera. So, so for people listening to this, this is what you, you can expect dealing with Brad. Those of you who are his <laughs> clients already understand that. Those of you who are not, you know, you should reach out to Brad and uh, and, and start a conversation with this guy. He's, he's fascinating. He's interesting. He's got a lot to say, and you might enjoy the uh, relationship. So speaking of which, how do people get a hold of you, Brad? Absolutely. Yeah. Our, our phone number in here, if you want to call the office, is 602 602- Two five five zero five five five. Andy, or Susan, or Kayla, or myself will pick up the phone and uh, set up a time to, to have, a, have a conversation. Great detail, and, and and again, you know, I mean, part part of my job, quite frankly, is the the, the questions I get. Obviously, we're talking about the finances, and we're talking about right. things that you need to do from a planning perspective. But a lot of it is that stuff. Hey, you know, is is is, is my son wants to go here, or my daughter wants to go here. Is this degree worth it? And I'll, and I'll, I'll yeah. You know, you don't have to agree with me, but I'm always going to be. I'm going to give you what my opinion is because that's 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 what you want for sure. Uh, online, uh, social media, we're active on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I'm there I, almost every day. I put something up there. Uh, MPAdvisorsAZ.com is our website or SmartMoneySimplified.com. Uh, and that's got all of, our con- all of our contact information as well. Fantastic. And you can look in the show notes. It's there as well. For those of you who are not subscribers, this is a really easy fix. Hit the subscribe button. That way you won't ever miss another one of these podcasts, which I'm sure you do not want to do after hearing this one. So <laughs> hey, we normally keep things on track a little bit. You know, if, if you're we don't for, usually if you never, go right off the rails down. No, the if, you, if you never listen to our podcast, the normal format again is we have we have a guest on and we dive deep into whatever whatever they're doing in the world. And uh and again, our our, our planned guest today is over in Baghdad, Iraq. And had uh, some connection issues, so Bill and I just said, "Hey, you know what? We're going to do what we do offline." We'll anyway. go there. We'll Here we people. go, boys and girls. But you know, thank you, thank you, Brent, and listeners, thank you very much. We appreciate you taking the time to listen today. On behalf of Brent and everybody at MP Advisors, I'm Bill Tucker, reminding you to go out and live your best life today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Smart Money Simplified Podcast. Have any questions about topics covered during the show? Visit www.smartmoneysimplified.com or give us a call at 602-255-0555. Don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Raymond James Financial Services Incorporated. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your individual situation. 
Securities are offered through Raymond James Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA, and SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors Incorporated, MP Advisors, LLC, is not a broker slash dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services.